podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, co-founder of the Fulham Lilies, it's Amelia. It's game week five, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable Guys, the international break is finally over. Well, at least this weekend it will be over. I, I don't know how much attention our, our guest pays to the international break, but uh, listeners that listen to this regularly will know I'm not the biggest fan of the international break. I like my Premier League football. I use the international break as a break from football in general, um, unless it starts getting to the actual tournaments, then I'll pay attention. But I'm super excited to have Amelia on. She's a co-founder of Fulham Lilies. Amelia, welcome to the show. Hi, yeah, it's brilliant to be on. Yeah, we, we were really keen to get uh, one of the Fulham Lilies on um, after one of your um, podcasts obviously came through on our Twitter feed. And I, I still call it Twitter. I don't know if I'll ever stop calling <laughs> it Twitter, to be fair. Yeah. So, um, but... We, we heard you guys, um, speaking about obviously being female fans in football and, and what that experience has been like for you guys. And part of that being the reason why you started Fulham Lilies. But I think you would probably be better off explaining how that's gone about. And then we'll probably get into some predictions for this weekend. Yeah, of course. So Fulham Lilies, we started in July of last year during the summer break. Our main aims are just to be a supporters group for women and allies and just to try and encourage female attendance. So we arrange meetups pre-match for people to come to. Um, we go to away games together. We, um, we're arranging group chats where fans can just talk about football, trying to promote safe space, uh, for, for women and girls, but for also anyone that shares our ethos of equality and just, being welcome at football so we've got some exciting stuff planned this season and um, some kind of free membership sign up that we're going to do this season and we're going to start doing away day block uh, block bookings where we can get fans tickets together where we can all sit together and just promote um promote the general ethos of equality and um female presence in football so it's really exciting stuff it, it is exciting and I, i'm hoping that this is something more and more clubs around the Premier League do and just around football in general. Um, I don't think it, um, I, I, I think it's helpful to have groups as organized as yours is. Um, because we've seen maybe informal groups that, that do this kind of thing with block ticketing and, and trying to get together 
before games, but I, I do like the fact that you guys are, um, you know, very organized. Everyone knows where they can find you. They know where the meetup is every single time. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you guys grow. And as I say, hopefully more Premier League teams are able to, to follow suit, but let's move swiftly into the fixtures for this weekend. Now, Obviously, international break, as I mentioned. Do do you watch a lot of international football? Um, do you know what? I enjoy the tournaments, but I haven't. I haven't watched England play. I was working for the the last game, but for pre pre season friendlies, if I'm around and I'm not doing anything, or like sorry, um, international break friendlies or qualifiers, I'll watch them. But um, I do prefer the I do prefer league football. Yeah, so so you're you're in my camp on that one. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, look, the tournaments are fun. I'm I'm probably one of those glory supporters where once it comes to the tournaments, I'm one of the biggest fans. Um, and people are sort of looking around like, where where were you in the trenches when we were qualifying <laughs> for these tournaments? But hey, that that's how I embrace international football. But let's go to Wolves versus Liverpool. It's a twelve thirty mm-hmm. Saturday kickoff, the first fixture um, of the weekend. Um, obviously, for Wolves, I, I thought it was a very, very disruptive summer for them. Um, yeah. Obviously, they lose their manager. They lose a couple of key players, um, none more than Ruben Neves. And yet, there is, you know, and we did a Reckless Predictions podcast before this, uh, the transfer window closed, um, myself and executive producer Guy Drinkle. And I, one of my reckless predictions was that, um, Wolves are going to get relegated this season. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've seen what Gary O'Neill has done so far this season in terms of at least it doesn't look like the players aren't playing for him. It looks like they're playing for him. It looks like they really want to make a good go of it this season. Just the disruption, you know, off the pitch for the clubs might bleed into, you know, what happens on the pitch for them. How do you see this fixture going? And then obviously from a Liverpool perspective, um, a draw and three wins for them so far this season. I don't think they've been super convincing defensively, but offensively mm. they look like they've got a lot of firepower. Yeah, I think with um, with Wolves, they've only had one win so far in the league and it was against it was against Everton, who really haven't looked haven't looked great. I think Wolves Wolves are sh- Wolves will struggle this season. I think they'll struggle in this fixture. I mean, one of the things for a club like Wolves, quite similar to um, supporting a club like Fulham, is it can be really difficult when other clubs come in for your star players. It's really hard to retain them. And I don't think Wolves have had a convincing enough transfer window to get good replacements. Um, We've seen that they've struggled, especially when they lost 4-1 to Brighton. I think with Liverpool, I agree with you on maybe them not being as defensively impressive as, as possibly could be. But I do think Nunes has played really well so far. I think he's kind of coming into himself a bit after maybe not hitting hitting expectations as highly as people had them last season. I I can't really see this going any other way than a Liverpool a Liverpool win because um, I just personally think watching Wolves this season they've they've struggled really and they haven't looked awful. But I don't really think they've they haven't looked particularly impressive, and they've they've struggled. Yeah, and and I'm probably going to be hypocritical by predicting a three 0 Liverpool win by saying, you know, I've I've spoken about how 
I'm not confident in their defense, yet I'm predicting a 3-0 <laughs> Liverpool win here. I, I'm, I just think they've got enough to handle whatever Wolves are going to throw at them, even in an away game like this. Well, what scoreline were you looking at for this one? I would probably go with a 2-0 to Liverpool. I think um, Liverpool haven't actually had the easiest start to the season. They played Newcastle and Villa, who who were top seven finishers last season, and they, they beat both of them. Um, so I'm saying two, I'm saying two now, I think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure Liverpool fans will be happy with that one. And <laughs> yeah. I would be kind of happy with that one. As sad as it is to see any team get relegated, but it, it would help with my reckless prediction. Yeah. <laughs> um, for Wolves going down. Let's move on to a team you mentioned just now, Aston Villa. They will be entertaining Crystal Palace. Now, mm-hmm. before the start of the season, Villa were obviously one of those teams that did well, you know, on, in the European conversation last season. They will want to either improve on that or maintain that this season, I, w- I would assume. But two wins, two losses. It, it, it's been okay, I think, a start for them so far this season. Although the big losses have come maybe to teams that they would be hoping to to be involved with when it comes to those European games. You mentioned mm-hmm. their their defeat to Liverpool last time out. And I think the emphatic defeat to Newcastle at the beginning of the season probably yeah. was a, a, a big, a, a bigger shock than maybe we were expecting. I thought Villa started the game well in terms of matching yeah. Newcastle and then sort of faded away a bit there. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Crystal Palace, who obviously it's a, it's a new era for them. Um, no longer have Zaha to sort of be the focal point for them. Eze looks like he's the one that's taking over that mantle mm-hmm. of, of being the the first player everyone looks to pass to whenever they get the ball. Um, what are your thoughts on Crystal Palace and obviously the the rejuvenated Roy Hodgson, who seems to have found the the fountain of youth? Well, as a Fulham fan, I obviously love Roy Hodgson. <laughs> yeah. but I've um, I've actually really enjoyed watching Palace play so far this season. I thought they they've looked quite impressive. I mean, even when they lost to Arsenal, I still thought they put up a good fight and they played they've played quite well. And they're a team that. I have quite enjoyed watch, uh, watching play so far this season. I think against Villa, I I reckon I could see a Palace win because Villa have just they've they've been interesting. They've either won games or lost them by quite quite large margins. You'd think for a club that ended up finishing seventh and getting European football, you would as a fan you would hope for for more than you know, three loss to Liverpool and losing to Newcastle at the start of the season, you would expect to put up a bit more of a fight than that. And with the way that Palace have played, which I think has looked quite cohesive and impressive, and I've I've been quite impressed by um, Anderson in defence as well for them, who who played for Fulham a couple of seasons ago on loan. He's he's a really good player. And I think, I think this could be an interesting season for Palace, to be honest. Yeah, and... Look, it, in, in previous seasons, Palace sort of, once they get to 40 points, they, they start booking their holidays. Mm. So if, <laughs> yeah. if they continue to, to, to do well in this vein and form, it could result in them maybe going deeper in terms of challenging for one of those coveted European spots. I, I know, you know, maybe a, a lot of clubs will be sort of throwing their elbows into that conversation. But yeah, as you said, they've, they've looked impressive. It, it could be something that they could look forward to later on in the season. Yeah, Villa, as you said, the the, the big losses uh, is something to worry about. But at this point in time, I think the good thing for them is they're beating the teams they need to beat. 
Um, and you'd probably expect as, uh, Crystal Palace at home is a game that Villa would have marked and said, you know, Unai Emery would have said, guys, we have to get three points in this one. Do you share that thought? And, and what score prediction did you, did you give for this one? So I, Villa will be, they'll be wanting a win for this. And as you said, it'll definitely be a game marked as a, as a win, especially considering they've had two wins, two losses. They're going to want to get back on that more wins than losses this season. But I, I actually think I could see Palace winning. I think I might, I'm going to go 2 1 to Palace, which might be a bit controversial, but I just feel like from watching them play, I've been more convinced by their performance this season than I have Villa's. But I, I think it depends on the Villa that turns up, really. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think obviously a lot hinges on the likes of Ollie Watkins being a bit more clinical than he's been yeah. this season. Um, and, but, you know, he's coming up against defenders, like you say, Anderson, who has been playing well this season and has been playing well for a couple of seasons now mm. alongside Gwei. I think they've got, they've developed quite a decent partnership there. They've got a shield in front of them in midfield with the likes of Decore, who will need to be important in this game because we know Villa like runners coming from deep, um, the likes of Diaby, um, you know, McGinn, Ramsey, those type of people arriving late into boxes. You're going to have to pass those players off to the defenders or chase back with them. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how the discipline is there for Palace. I've gone with the 1-1 draw. I still mm-hmm. think uh, Villa, obviously, I-, I thought they did well in the transfer window, but they still need to get a lot of the players to gel. Um, yeah. They've been unfortunate with some of the injuries. You know, Mings getting injured mm-hmm. was quite big for them. But yeah, I, I think a 1-1 draw... Probably something both teams would take at this point in the season uh, and look to pick up points elsewhere. But let's move on to Fulham versus Luton. I know we're going to get a lot deeper into Fulham a bit later on, but I, I do want to hand the baton on, on to you for this one. What do you think of Fulham versus Luton? So I think for, for us, this is an absolute must-win fixture. I mean, no no disrespect to Luton at all. They've done an incredible job getting promoted to the Premier League. But for us, having finished 10th last season, having 15 wins, which is our record in the Premier League. We've we've not we've not looked great so far this season. We've only we won against Everton in a game that we probably shouldn't have won gone in. We drew against Arsenal, which is a really good result, but we lost 3-0 to Brentford and we lost 5-1 to City, which is uh, it's a it's difficult because last season we we didn't lose we didn't win games against big um, big clubs we we struggled against them but we certainly didn't get thrashed by them we lost a lot a lot of games two one and put up a good performance which I was I was proud of so for me losing to City five one was a little bit of a red flag even though one of the goals was offside and even Harland has, has admitted that it was an offside goal um, but for us I think this game we really really need to be getting three points out of this game. Um, because for for Fulham, the when I start to get worried about relegation, which I've seen a lot in recent years, is when we when we start losing points to the teams where we really should be beating. So I think Luton haven't, you know, they they need to they need to get some points. I mean, pretty much everyone has predicted Luton to get relegated, and I'm sure they would absolutely love to prove people wrong. But they really they. They're probably looking at this game thinking Fulham haven't really hit the mark yet this season. They haven't looked that convincing. We've looked quite shaky in defence. Luton are probably looking at this game as a game where they can get 
they can get some points from us. So this is this is actually a, a much bigger game than I thought it would be when the fixture list, list came out for us. I feel like it's kind of a make or break for our season already. Yeah, it's it certainly one of those games that then shapes how the rest of the season goes sometimes. But I, I thought Fulham have had a very difficult start. Obviously, you mm-hmm. get the win over Everton in a game where I think Everton could have argued they could have gotten a point in that one. But Fulham held on. Leno had a phenomenal game yeah. and they got the goal that they needed. Brilliant. That's all you need to do away from home. Um, you know, great performance from a goalkeeper. Get the goals that you need to and, and, and run away from the stadium as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, we had then obviously the Brentford game, the Arsenal game and the Man City game. That's three very difficult fixes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously we know Brentford had the question marks with how they'll play without Ivan Tony, but they've looked really good this season. Yeah. Arsenal, I think Fulham did well to be in the, in the game, give themselves a chance and obviously walked away and were rewarded with that point. And then, obviously, you mentioned the Man City game. Probably disappointment when you guys did score and it looked like you could cause them more problems to then have City run away with the game the way they did. Um, yeah, so I, I think the international break came at a good time for Fulham. Um, yeah. After three tough fixtures, um, getting a chance to sort of have a break, look at the, the, the next couple of fixtures and say, right, Let's pick up some points now. We, we've had a chance to sort of refresh and go into this game at home. The crowd's obviously going to be up for it, um, having come off of international break. Yeah, I, I think all signs are pointing to a, a 2-0 Fulham win for me. Um, for L- Luton, you'd, you'd hope that you're picking up something from this game because at some point in time, they do need to start picking up points, as you've mentioned. I just think... Fulham are going to be rejuvenated and desperate to to get a win in this one, considering the tough fixtures they've come from. I mean, I, I hope so. I think a lot of it as well um, comes down to whether Polina will play or not. Yeah. Um, he didn't play in our game against Man City, but he'd flown over to Munich the evening before. Uh, obviously, that deal, deal fell through, so he came back to Fulham, but um, wasn't available for that game. And unfortunately, he is one of those players that we really, really struggle without. Um, we re- really, really looks like there's a huge gap in our midfield and we don't have Polina playing for us, which is massively worrying considering he's probably more 100% going to go in the January transfer window. I'd like to think we'll win this game. I'll probably go with a 2-1. I feel like it might be quite a shaky win. Um, defensively, we've conceded quite a lot of goals so far this season. I think I think it's the third most in the Premier League so far this season. So it's not, we haven't looked defensively impressive, even though Leno has put in some really, really good performances. So I'm going to say 2-1 for this game and I'm going to hope that I'm right. Yeah, hopefully. Sorry, you've gone 2-1 for that one. Um, Hopefully you're right for that one for, for Fulham's sake. Let's move on to Man United versus Brighton. Now, obviously this is one of, I think five fixtures that are on at three o'clock on Saturday. We all know in the UK, three o'clock games aren't televised. Um, but there is a solution. If you guys want to be able to watch these games without the hassle of, you know, trying to figure out how you're going to watch them. If you're in the UK, uh, definitely link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Um, this podcast is presented to you by EPRindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. 
Liberty Shield is a virtual private network, which is a technology that allows you to stay safe online by encrypting your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address and shield your online data from third parties. You guys will be able to change your um, location, thus allowing you to access content from all over the world. You can avoid geoblocks and government imposed restrictions to access any website. There are countries like in South Africa with DSTV where they get every single Premier League game live. Um, so that's usually what I switch my uh, Liberty Shield to, to be able to watch all of the games. It helps with Netflix. Sometimes the UK bouquet is sort of geolocked and I want to watch certain series that are only available in the US Netflix version. So I just have my Liberty Shield that is on constantly and, and that allows me to do that. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25. That will get you 25% of either the router or the software VPN. And obviously the software VPN downloads straight onto your devices. You guys can also go check out EPL Index Shop. If you, um, you'll find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you'll get 10% off at checkout. Amelia, we have to pay the bill somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's go with Man United versus Brighton. Now, this is a very, very interesting game at a time when Man United probably need an easier game. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot happening off the field. And obviously, if, if you want the floor, I'll, I'll give you the floor to address uh, the issues that are happening off the field for Man United. Um, I, I shared my thoughts on um, Kev's show yesterday around the EPL. Um, so you guys, I'm, I'm sure that show will be out soon. You guys can check that out. Um, but in terms of this fixture, it's coming at a point where Man United, they've obviously had two wins, two losses. I personally don't think they've looked impressive this season. Mm -hmm. You look at, you know, for example, the win against Wolves, they could have easily drawn or lost that game. Um, coming up against the Brighton side who they had that one big loss to West Ham, which is probably many would say a surprise loss there, but I thought West mm -hmm. Ham played quite well in that game. I think all the pressures on Man United in this game. Brighton can come in. It's an away game. They can, you know, play on the counter-attack, which probably is to the detriment of Man United because I think Man United play better when they're playing on the counter-attack. The other team has the ball and they have runners like Rashford running into space. But at Old Trafford, with all the issues that is happening at Man United, I don't think the crowd's going to allow Man United to play counter-attack football and that could be a problem for them. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's been a really difficult... Uh, season so far for Manu off the pitch. Uh, not only are they really unlucky with injuries at the moment, we've obviously seen issues between management and players such as uh, Sancho and things like that. So it's obviously it's been it's difficult for Manu at the moment. I think uh, agreeing with you on the Wolves game. Uh, when I watched that game, I thought it was pretty. It was felt like a pretty even game. Wolves had quite a few chances, and Manu haven't haven't impressed this season. I know last season they had a pretty slow start, but it's especially in in the game against in the game against Arsenal things things felt pretty even. Garnacho scored, it was ruled offside, and then Manu ended up losing three one. Um, it felt like after that offside goal, they kind of switched off a bit. Um, I think for Brighton, they they have performed well this season. Obviously, with the exception of the West Ham game, I was actually at that game, and um, as you said, West Ham did play really well. Brighton just couldn't couldn't get stuck in that game. Um, but they have bounced back and they, they've had three wins and, 
quite a lot of their wins have been pretty convincing wins as well. And the thing with Brighton is uh, you can pretty much guarantee a good transfer window. They have some of the best scouts out there. Um, but I, I think Brighton will win this one. I think um, agreeing with, with what you said about the crowds at Old Trafford, I think Man U are in a particularly difficult situation at the moment on and off the pitch. Um, and Brighton are an impressive side and, and they've got a really good manager in Roberto De Zerbi. He knows exactly how to play these teams. And I think um, I've, I think Brighton will win this one. Um, and I think it could be the start of some concerns for Man U. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we talk about manager hot seats and I'm looking at managers like Pochettino and Ten Hag who there's a lot of expectation in the clubs where they're at. If he doesn't win this game against Brighton, that probably increases the pressure. Um, I think we ran a poll over 500 people voted, uh, on a tad predictable on Twitter where we asked who was in the hottest seat, Ten Hag or Pochettino. And it was 50.7% to 49.43% wow. to Ten Hag. Uh, so <laughs> it was quite close. Uh, yeah. It stayed at 50-50 for a lot longer than I thought it would, uh, which was very impressive considering how many people were voting. But yeah, it, it seems like Man United need to win this game to sort of relieve the pressure on him. But as you mentioned, I'm, I'm thinking Brighton come here um, and, and they are able to exploit a lot of the issues that Man United have, not just in, you know, their, their playing style at the moment, but just squad depth as well. I'm going with, I think it's going to be, a good game. Man United are going to need to score goals to stay in this one. I've gone three two to Brighton. Is that is that too high? No, I was actually going to say I was actually going to say three two myself because I feel feel both teams both teams can score goals. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a good fixture, but I do think Brighton have the edge. I think they they've looked more convincing than Man U this season. They've looked more organised. And they are they are a really, really interesting team to watch, especially considering the journey they've had. I, I'm I'm actually from Brighton, even though I support Fulham. So I um when I was younger I remember Brighton playing at, at with Dean and I remember going to a couple of games at with Dean when um when Fulham wasn't on. Uh just to you know, go watch the local club and they were in League Two and things were really, really diabolical, not many fans. And to see them to see where they are now um, it's brilliant, but I just think that they they're so well run and organised. I just think they've got that extra edge, especially considering what's happening in the dressing room for Manu at the moment. Yeah, po- polar opposites in terms of moods at, yeah. at, at the teams at the moment. But let's move on to Tottenham versus Sheffield United. Now, I was going to mention earlier with you being a, a Fulham fan, you must enjoy the fact that there's a lot of London clubs that are in the Premier League because it probably mm. makes it a lot easier to get to games. Um, me being a Liverpool fan, I want as many clubs from London to be in the Premier League because then it makes it easier for me to watch Liverpool games because I am in yeah. London. Uh, but yeah, Tottenham, another London rival for you. Uh, they entertain Sheffield United. Are, are you bought into Ange Ball? I thought, yes, actually. <laughs> I have I have enjoyed watching watching Spurs play. I think they are a difficult side. It's just they are... Whatever manager they get for me, they're still Spurs. They still have this Spurs-like quality where they can just give away wins. I mean, we we beat them in the Carabao Cup on penalties. Um, 
which was massive positive for us because we usually crumble when we come up against big sides. But uh, so far, I have really enjoyed watching them play. I was uh, I was very excited when they signed Madison in the summer window um, because he's one of my favourite players to watch play. And I was really excited to see him play for Spurs. And I think he's been brilliant so far. I think it's always difficult with a new manager, especially in the, the current climate of football. You, you need to give new managers a while to get stuck in and get to know the players and work things out. And sometimes modern football doesn't necessarily allow you to have that, have as much time as you maybe need. Um, but so far, I have actually, have actually quite enjoyed watching Spurs play. Yeah, they've, they've been fun to watch. And I think Spurs fans have enjoyed watching Spurs play, yeah. which is something they've not been able to say for a, mm-hmm. a good while now. Uh, a brand of football that they probably identify with a lot more than some of the football that was being played by previous mass managers yeah. in, in recent tenures. For Sheffield United, they, I think they've been decimated with injuries this season. They're a team that can't afford to have too many injuries because I don't think their squad depth is that good. Um so, yeah, I think they'll be sweating over a couple of players who should be back in training this week and hoping to be involved and, and maybe that helps them out a little bit better. I'm, I'm not optimistic for them traveling to Spurs. I think Spurs are in a groove at the moment. I think the attacking firepower that they have at the moment is gelling well. Obviously, the, the elephant in the room is the Richarlison situation where he just can't seem to buy a goal. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not for a lack of effort. Um, and if you, if you watch his movement, he's doing the right things. He's getting into goal scoring positions. It's just not falling for him at the moment. Uh, I hope for his sake, he at least just continues to put in the graft. And, and sometimes as, as a striker, it just doesn't fall in for you. And then you'll notice he'll score one and then it will lead to two, three, four, five. Um, so I'm sure that's the message that, uh, yeah. Ange and everyone there will be telling him, just stick to it. It will come. But yeah, I, I think Madison, you highlighted him. I think he's going to be the star for this game. He needs to be um, if Tottenham are going to break down Sheffield United. Um, what score prediction are you going with here? I think I'm going to go 3-0 to Tottenham just because Sheffield United have really struggled. As you said, a lot of injuries. I think they probably didn't sign as many players as other teams who get promoted usually do. Um, it's always it's always a really difficult one the transfer window when you get promoted. Um, I've seen quite a lot of them with Fulham where you, sometimes you scramble to just get as many players as possible and you're maybe not making the most tactical signings. So it's always, always got to give these newly promoted teams time to play their new signings, etc. But for Sheffield United, they've not they've not really they've not they've struggled. They've not looked impressive. And I think for Spurs, I think even though Richarlison, as you said, he's he's not performing and one of the things with Richarlison is that he, despite maybe him having a rough time for club he's always performed well for country but um following the news of the latest international break he struggled um playing for Brazil uh, missing pretty good chances so as a, a player like Richarlison he wears his heart on his sleeve he's quite an emotional player you know you can see how much he wants those goals but the thing with Spurs is that they are getting those goals without him you know we had a son hat trick Madison's been scoring we've seen goals coming through different routes so I don't think Richarlison not being able to score goals is a massive worry for Spurs I think even though they would obviously like him to they've got plenty of other routes to get those goals so I'm going to go 3-0 to Tottenham yeah I I was leaning 3-0 as well I think the only Mm -hmm. thing for me is 
Sheffield United have scored in all their other games except for the opening game. And Spurs, in terms of a defensive standpoint, they somehow just seem to let goals in. I, I don't know what is going on. <laughs> Obviously, you would know fondly with uh, the Carabao Cup recently. I think Van der Ven has two or three own goals already this season. Um, obviously they, they, you know, new manager, a couple of new players in there. It's going to take some time for them to gel together. I think Sheffield United have a goal in them in this one, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs get more than three. And the reason I say that is one of the things Ange has, has always preached at his clubs is when we, when we're ahead, when we've got that one or, or two goal lead, Let's get a third, a fourth, a fifth. Like, keep going. Don't slow down. Don't stop. And maybe that will take a while for the Spurs players to fully buy into. But if they do buy into that quickly, I think we could see them running up the scoreboard quite a lot this season. But, guys, we're going to take a quick short break and then we'll be back with uh, Fulham's State of the Nation address. And we are back. Uh, Amelia, we mentioned it earlier. We wanted, we, we love having at the beginning of the show, um, especially at the beginning of the season to have sort of a state of the nation address from the, our guests, uh, regarding the teams that they support. Obviously later on in the season, we've got the Banquet or Burnett, uh, trophy to be won. Uh, defending champion Jake Jackman is still feeling quite smug after winning it last season, uh, taking it off of the hands of, Executive producer Guy Drinkle. I don't know if Guy's going to be in this year's tournament again. It seems like somehow he always finagles his way into the tournament, even though he's part of the staff. I don't know if that's legal for him to be in the <laughs> tournament and be the executive producer, but somehow he always finds a way. And he nearly, he, he threatened to, to basically blow our budget for this season. If he had one last year with the celebration party, he was going to have a, a parade, a bus was being involved. It, it was going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Um, so please, if, if, if you're part of that, please make sure you're at least ahead of Guy when it comes to that competition, because we, we, we would love to have another season of the show. We don't want Guy blowing our budget, <laughs> but let's go with Fulham. Obviously you, you discussed some aspects of, 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 of how the season has gone for Fulham so far, but I'm going to, you know, leave it to you in terms of how you want to take this conversation. What are you feeling about Fulham so far this season? So, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's no secret to uh, anyone that follows Premier League football that we've had a really tough transfer window. Uh, losing Mitrovic is a massive blow for us, especially the way in which it came about with, um, his refusal to play for the club and, um, him really pushing, pushing that move. Um, he's, he's gone now. I think it was a, it was a struggle for a lot of fans. Um, and particularly myself, um, a lot of us, we feel, we feel like we had his back for a lot of things. You know, Mitro was a, as a cult player for us, having broken championship records. We, we love, we loved him. We loved watching him play for us. And especially after his sending off and his uh, 10 match ban in the Man U game, a lot of our, a lot of our fans, we, we really tried to have his back there. And, um, you know, he got a hero's welcome when he came back as he's such a, such a, um, popular player within the club. So, Seeing him go was a really difficult one. Uh, we signed Raul Jimenez, who no, no, uh, no disrespect to Raul Jimenez, but he, he isn't Mitrovic. He's not the player he used to be. I'm hoping that Marco Silva can, um, transform him. Um, Silva has a quite a good habit, um, and record within the club of kind of 
making players um, perform really well. I'm hoping that he can he can kind of crack that within Jimenez, who hasn't got a goal for us yet, but has looked more and more positive in front of the goal. I think one of the problems of watching w- watching him play is that he he just does tire out. He just lacks the stamina to really carry on past six, sixty minutes, and he has he has been unlucky with injuries. So in that aspect, we we are struggling with a, a bit of a Mitrovic-shaped hole. I was hoping in the transfer window we could sign someone to replace him, um, someone other than Jimenez, and we, we didn't manage to. Um, I think for our transfer window-wise, it was a difficult one because uh, the Mitrovic rumours uh, started about three weeks, maybe even a month before he actually left Um Obviously, the club didn't want to sell him. He wanted to go and we held out for as long as possible. But I think given the fact that he really wanted to go, maybe holding out for as long as possible wasn't the right thing to do because it just left us with no time to find a replacement. Otherwise, we could have let him go and it had a bit more flexibility on trying to find a replacement. I think, though, the the biggest blow for all of us Fulham fans was um, the deadline day drama with Polina. He is such a pivotal, pivotal point of our team. He is where we get our results from. His tackling is incredible. It's some of the best in Europe. He is really, really good at falling back defensively as well to help out the back line. And he's got a really good shot on him. He knows where the goal is. So, I mean, he won our player of the season last season. He's one of one of my favourite Fulham players at the moment. And even though I've only watched him play for us for a season, I would say he's one of the best midfielders I've seen in the Fulham shirt already. Um, and it's no surprise that Bayern want him. And it's no surprise that he wants to go. I mean, one of the struggles of being a club like Fulham is you are never gonna, you're never gonna retain these, these players, these, that are world class and deserve championship, Champions League football or Europa League football. You're never gonna retain them because we, we don't achieve as high as these other clubs. As much as we'd like to, we're still a small club and I completely understand why he wanted to go to Bayern, but it's, it's gonna be difficult seeing how things adjust uh, now because obviously he flew over to Munich. He had his pictures taken in the shirt, contracts drawn up. Um, but the deal was stopped because we couldn't find a replacement. So unfortunately for him, the deal fell through. He's had to fly back to London. And I, I hope that this doesn't affect his, his ability to perform for the club. I hope this doesn't affect his, his morale. And I hope he still carries on putting in an effort for Fulham because Bayern are going to go in for him again in January and we're going to have to replace him. So I'm hoping that we can spend the next couple of months kind of scouting out a decent replacement trying to find someone that actually is interested in playing playing for us and being able to do that quite early on. Um so it's been it's been a difficult one. It's been a difficult transfer window. Um this season going into well at the end of last season I was so happy with our finish. Um especially given the fact that the last couple of times we've been in the Premier League we've come back down earning a bit of a yo-yo club status which is very frustrating as a fan and it's also it's also quite difficult for the club financially to stay on their feet and stay in one place. And it's difficult for the people that work within the club to make certain plans to do with um, like our infrastructure building, our new our new stand being built. It's very difficult when the funding is constantly yo-yoing between the Premier League and the Championship. So it was really positive to see us stay up. Um, but this season, I at the end of last season, I really wanted to kind of push maybe a bit higher up the table. I would have liked to have maybe got eighth or ninth this season. I don't think it's going to happen now, given the transfer window we've had. I think it's a difficult one for us fans. Um, 
a lot of people there were a lot of questions kind of flying out about the the ownership and our director of football and whether they could have done more to kind of prevent our best players our best players leaving or trying to leave um so my my predictions really for this season I think we'll finish 14th and I think that I think we'll stay up because I I don't I don't think we're going to have a relegation battle. I really hope we're not, but we are not going to perform as well as we did last season. Having watched us play, um, it looks like that the, the spark is lacking that it was there last season. I mean, I still got so much faith in Marcus Silver. I think he's the best manager we've had since Roy Roy Hodgson, but unfortunately, his hands are completely tied in the transfer window situation, and I just I just don't think we've signed enough quality to be contesting for where we were last season and where we ideally want to achieve. So I'm not feeling really pessimistic about this season, but I'm not really feeling massively optimistic. I don't think it will be a better season than last season, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's probably heading into the off-season from last season. You're hoping it's a springboard that allows the club to improve further, but they just haven't been able to do that. Um, Yeah, hopefully... Paulinho is able to sort of just focus on the football and, and you know, um, contribute in the way that he has in the past. I think Fulham are in that basket of clubs for me that on January 1st, they need to already have signings coming in yeah. because they know, for example, they've already lost Mitrovic. They didn't have enough time to replace him this window, but they know they need to replace him. So yeah. there's no excuse for January 1st to come, the window opens, and they don't already have a player identified, signed, sorted out. Similar with the Paulinho situation, you now know he's going to leave or was so close to leaving, it's likely he could leave, have a replacement ready for day one so they can come in, bed in with the squad and and be able to contribute as quickly as possible. I think the key thing for me, for Fulham, is can they stay competitive until that January transfer window where obviously they'll have the Mitrovic money you're hoping will will be allowed to to be spent by the manager and then potentially Paulinho's money as well, being able to spend that as well. That could turn the season around for Fulham and, and turn it into something really good if they're able to sort of keep up with those, you know, you mentioned ninth place. If they can keep up in that 11, 10, ninth place or just below them until January and then try and rejuvenate the squad again i think it it could end up working out for them but again it, it it's it's going to take a lot um to be able to do that but you, you you hope that they can achieve that um thank you for that that was really um good and this is why i like having these things to to get that perspective from fans from from respective premier league teams but let's move on with the rest of the fixtures we've got west ham versus man city now West Ham last season started the season poorly. We weren't sure if Moyes was going to stay in the job. He was probably in one of the hottest seats in the Premier League. They stuck by him. Um, and this season, you know, one draw to open things up. And obviously that draw is against Bournemouth, the 1-1 draw. But then three wins on the bounce. Impressive wins as well because you've got Chelsea in there. You've got Brighton in there. Obviously the Luton one, they were, they would have been hoping and expecting to win, but. These are really good results coming up to a game against Man City where, from a West Ham perspective, they're hoping, you know, the performances against Chelsea and Brighton have given them a blueprint to sort of a victory against Man City in that staying deep, um, play for the set pieces. You've got Antonio on the counter attack. 
there are avenues in which they can trouble Man City. Whether or not they can keep up Man City from from scoring goals, that that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but yeah, City, we know they start the season slow. Um, it almost seems like by design at this point because it happens every season where they kind of look half-baked um, and then grow as the season goes on. But it's weird saying that because they've won every game this season. Yeah. So they don't, they don't look like the full version of Man City yet. And they still have four wins. The only team to have won all their games this season. Is that a scary thought for the rest of the league? I think so. I think the thing, the thing with City, as you said, is they, they are the masters of ending seasons in the perfect way. They really are. And I've got to give credit to Pep's management style for that. Uh, we saw it with last season and the way in which they ended was just brilliant. Um, they're really, really good at, at um, just uh, yeah, ending seasons perfectly. I think, though, as you said, they've won every single game. Um, in the last game, the game against Fulham, Haaland had an absolute blind of a game. The only consolation for me as a Fulham fan was him being my FPL captain, <laughs> um, which is always a positive. But um, I think, yeah, for the, I think, it's always it's always tough with with City because they when when they when they want to play really really well they are completely unplayable. I think they they it has felt like they've taken it a bit easy so far this season, but they're they're still winning. I think as impressed as I have been by West Ham so far this season, I thought they looked brilliant against the Brighton get in, in the Brighton game. I was really impressed with the the way in which they played Brighton. And the way in which they, they pressed and closed them down and really didn't give them any kind of options or space on the ball it was really, really impressive. Um, I think it is a team reeling, reeling with confidence from recently winning a cup, but I can't, I can't really see this going any other way than Man City's way. Maybe I could see West Ham getting a, a goal, but I just think, I just think Man City are such, such a cohesive side with, and, incredible amount of squad depth I think that um, I think this one will go to Man City yeah and score for that one um, I'm going to say 2-1 so I think it might be a bit of a tight game I think West Ham will score but I, I can I think City will win that is the exact scoreline I have as well 2-1 <laughs> to Man City I think Everton will try and make this game really physical and sort of try and drag City down to their level as I don't know if that sounds disrespectful, but I mean, it's Man City. We know the style of football and the levels that they can reach. I think West Ham, if they make this game physical, um, try and slow the game down as much as you possibly can with these new rules where extra mm. time could be 5,000 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how successful they can be with that. But yeah, probably City's squad depth, uh, will see them through that one. Let's move on to Newcastle versus Brentford. Um, part of those class cluster of clubs who were causing issues for, you know, the, the traditionally big six clubs last season. But obviously Newcastle, it's not started the way that they would have hoped. Um, they made Champions League last season. They had some big signings, the likes of Sandro Tonali coming in, but three losses on the bounce, albeit tough fixtures. I mean, Man City, Liverpool and Brighton aren't really teams to to be too disappointed in, in losing games yeah. to. Um, and then they had that emphatic 5-1 win to open the season against Aston Villa. Come up against a tricky Brentford side. I mean, Brentford, they've looked solid this season. Obviously, the, the big worry was whether or not they could handle mm. 
not having Ivan Tony, but Buemo has stepped up. I don't know how. Yeah. Somehow he he's been in my fantasy team the entire season. Somehow he always ends up with some sort of points, which I'm <laughs> grateful for. But when I watch, I don't know how he ends up with points. Um, the last game though, to be fair to him, he did miss a couple of sitters that he should have converted. But yeah, so Buemo stays in my fantasy team. Um, is he is he going to have enough along with Brentford to? cause Newcastle problems and sort of continue this. Um, is it worrying? Can we say it's a worrying start yet? May- maybe after the Brentford game, if they don't get all three points, yeah. you might start Look, I don't know if Eddie Howe's job is under pressure yet, but I would imagine the Newcastle owners would have high ambitions for this season. Yeah, I'm sure their ambitions are, are, partic- are particularly high. I mean, this season is going to be a tough season for them. Getting in, getting European football after not having it for so long, you really need that depth. You need that match fitness. You need your players to be on top form because you are playing so many games, especially if you go far in the competition. Um, they they couldn't really have been given a more difficult fixture run for the start of the season. Um, in all fairness to Newcastle, we've had a, a tough run, but I'm sure. They will be looking at this feeling a little bit disappointed. You know, having a top four finish, you probably would expect to be getting some points out of these out of these clubs that finished around about where you did. Um, but I think for Newcastle, they need to win this game, or I think questions might start being asked a bit. Um, I think personally, I feel like Eddie Howe is untouchable for a while, given the season that they had last season. Um, but given that the group that they've got for the Champions League, which is looking like a pretty tough group, um, they need, but they need to really be getting those those points in the league before their focus switches elsewhere. Yeah, I think that is a massive point. Get as many points as you can now before those Premier those Champions League fixtures get involved. So, are, are you going with the win for Newcastle in this one? I think I'm going to go with a draw because Brentford have have been impressive this season. They might have only won once, but they they have they've drawn quite a lot of games. Um, I was in a similar boat to you. Actually, I wasn't sure how they would fare without Ivan Tony, obviously being their main goal scorer, being their penalty taker, and being such a pivotal point and focus in the way in which they play football. But in all fairness, Brentford um, they have looked really good without him. They are still scoring goals without him. Um, I think I'm going to go with a two-all draw, which might be a bit rogue, but I think Newcastle... I, I don't think Newcastle will lose this one, but I I don't think they'll win because I think Brentford will go out there and be feeling quite positive about this. I, they have a particularly good record against Newcastle, but I remember rightly they beat them last season. So I think Brentford will be feeling like uh, like they can win this one and they've looked like a fairly confident side so far this season yeah you mentioned uh Brentford being you know one of the teams that caused Newcastle problems last season that was part of the reason I've gone with the 2-1 Newcastle when I think they would have targeted this game mm-hmm. uh, for points that they need to get to help them you know climb up the table even more you would look at they would look at the fixtures that they struggled in last season and see which ones can we actually take points from and and hope to still take points from the ones we did get points from. I think they're going to go into this game needing to, to, to get a win. Obviously, it's a home game for them, which is why I've slightly given them an edge on this one. So 2-1 to Newcastle there. Um, the next one is Bournemouth versus Chelsea. Now, again, London clubs. 
which is great. Uh, but I, I don't know. What do you make of this Chelsea team at the moment? Obviously, massive pressure on them considering how much money they've spent. And then for me, Bournemouth, low key. I'm, I'm thinking they're going to be a really frisky team this season. I like the new manager coming in. I like the style mm-hmm. of football he's brought in. The likes of Justin Clivert coming in. Semenyo looks good as well. Obviously, you've got Solanke who needs to go up another level if they, if they are to, 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 to improve on what they did last season. But I think Brentford might fancy their chances in this one. I mean, Bournemouth might fancy their chances in this one. Yeah, the thing with Bournemouth is um, I was really, really impressed by their transfer window. I think they had a, a silently very good transfer window with some really positive signings and um, I was pretty impressed by it. Um, I think even though they haven't won a game yet this season, I think there is, you're right about Chelsea, there's so much pressure on them. I mean, you can't hide when you've spent that much money. And, you know, the thing is as well, it's always a difficult one because they've spent that much money. Other fans of other clubs do, no no disrespect to Chelsea fans, even though we are rivals. I think fans of other clubs do kind of like to see them lose a bit because they've spent all this money and thrown all this money at players that it can be a bit like, oh, but you still can't get a win. I know that's kind of like the perspective from Fulham fans. Um, but it's, it's an, I think this will be an interesting game. Because even though you know Chelsea have signed so many players, they've got they've got um, some key injuries, and I think I've I've been impressed by Nicholas Jackson so far this season by watching him play. I think he makes some really good runs, and he 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 clearly he wants he wants goals, and he he's got a really high work rate, and you can see that when he plays. But he does still look a bit raw in some places, so I think he needs to get off the mark a bit, and he's still he's he's pretty young. Um, Sterling is obviously he's had a particularly good season so far um, but it, it remains really what Chelsea turns up at, at times they they don't look particularly cohesive um, there are a lot of decisions that I, I see when I watch Chelsea play that I think maybe weren't the correct decisions in terms of passing there or shooting there um, but I, I think this will this will be a really interesting game if, if Bournemouth can go out there and really hassle them and, and be quite physical. Um, I think I could see a draw, um, but I think this will be a really interesting game. I've, I've gone 2-1 Bournemouth. I think this is the upset game of the weekend. Um, obviously, it's on Sunday, 2 o'clock, so yeah. it's going to be on Sky, both games on Sunday on Sky. But I just fancy Bournemouth to continue to call, you know, the this thing of Chelsea just struggling to score goals struggling to as you mentioned Jackson I mean we've spoken about fantasy before when Buemo seems to keep scoring goals Jackson just can't seem to score despite mm-hmm. him being in that Richarlison camp where he's doing a lot of the good things mm-hmm. and you know getting into good positions but it's just not falling over the line for him but yeah I, I've gone 2-1 to Bournemouth I think they cause an upset here I think I'm gonna go one all draw I just I'm not convinced by Chelsea I, I'm really not um, and as much as I'd like Bournemouth to cause an upset as uh, Chelsea are one of our rivals, I think I've, I'm not sure if I could see Bournemouth getting the win. But I, so I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go one all. Okay, so you're not convinced by Chelsea, but are you convinced by Arsenal? Because they in, they obviously travel to Goodison Park. They're playing Everton. I mean, in my opinion, the fixture list has been very kind to. To Arsenal this um, yeah. 
to start the season considering what they did last season. But, you know, and, and obviously Everton, uh, I, I'm, I don't know how many times they need to circle the drain of relegation yeah. and not get relegated. I do think they've pushed it one season yeah. too far without addressing all the issues they needed to on the pitch. Um, this transfer window, I don't see anything other than an Arsenal 3-0 win, if not more. I think it's, it's, it's a jubilant Arsenal coming off of that Man United game. Um, and they're going to look for an emphatic performance to, to continue their charge of chasing, uh, Man City. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I think in regards to Everton as well, I, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised at the way that they've started this season. I thought having only stayed up by the skin of their teeth by a one nil win on the last game of the season, you know, when you're in that position as a side that could get relegated and you're not only reliant on your own performances, but the teams around you performances, it's a really difficult place to be in as a fan and as, as a player, I imagine. So I, I'm surprised that they have started this season as badly as they did last season. Um, no disrespect to Everton at all, but I really thought that they would come out and at least, you know, maybe try it and look a bit more convincing. And maybe but it, it really does feel like this season has just rolled on from last season with the way in which they've been playing. Um, I think I can't see this going anyway other than Arsenal's. I've been I've been pretty convinced by them, apart from in the Palace game where they did win it. But I thought they maybe didn't look that as convincing, but they really showed up against Man U, got those late goals, which is always impressive in a team. Um, but for Everton, I just, I, I, then I don't think they're going to get points here, but they really need to lot, start looking at where they could be getting points because they haven't had a really difficult run of fixtures. I, and they had, they, but they've not picked up points and especially you know games like Sheffield United they really needed to be winning um games like Wolves uh they're really they're really games that they should be looking looking at winning newly promoted sides or bottom table sides from last season so I, I think I'm going to go 4-0 Arsenal just because defensively Everton have really not looked convincing at all yeah and it, it, more so the the worry for me for Everton is the losing at home You've got yeah. to pick up points at home if, if you want to stay in the Premier League. It, it seems to be a good way to, to sort of establish yourself. We saw that with Nottingham Forest last season where they were really mm-hmm. tough to break down at home. They, they picked up a lot of points there. They've looked good this season. Um, you mentioned impressive windows for teams. I like what Nottingham Forest have done. Obviously, they're probably a bit disappointed losing Brennan Johnson, but it's one of those players that they probably weren't going to be able to hold on to for too long. And he joins a, 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 what looks to be an exciting Tottenham team. So you, you don't begrudge him making that move. But they've brought yeah. in Hudson Adoy. Hopefully he replaces him um, in terms of being an outlet out wide. They've brought in the likes of Divock Origi, um, Sangara coming in in midfield to add a bit more defensive steel in, in that midfield. I like what Nottingham Forest have been doing. They've got Owaniyi who just can't stop scoring goals. Yeah, They look exciting. Coming up against the Burnley side, who were very impressive in the championship last season, I I do think they've been naive in the Premier League this season. Yes, I get the idea of trying to continue the same style of play and philosophy that they found so successful last season in the championship, but I don't know if they have the caliber of players to execute that game plan in the Premier League at the moment. Um, And then also, I don't think companies help them. Uh, You look at that... Tottenham game, 
halftime, they were in that game at halftime. He makes changes, changes the formation. All of a sudden, Tottenham just swamped them. So I think he's got some growing to do. And also, I think they might need to revisit how they're approaching games at the moment because I can't see... I can't see them getting a result in this one against a, a feel-good factor, it feels, for Nottingham Forest at the moment. I've gone 2-0 to Nottingham Forest. I haven't given Burnley a goal. I feel bad, but I'm not convinced by them at the moment. No, I, I completely agree with you as well. I mean, if you look at last season, the three teams that got promoted for last season all managed to stay up. And if you look at the way in which teams change their style of football, when you get promoted, you have to change it. If you are finishing first or second or going up through playoffs in the championship the likelihood is that you have a very possession a very possessive style of football likelihood is you're hitting those 60% maybe maybe even higher average possession per game you have to be prepared to play a different style of football in the Premier League you have to know that the teams you're going to come up against are not going to play the same way as championship style teams and the tough thing with the Premier League is that I've always said that you you know you're only one mistake away from losing a game whereas in the championship you can maybe make a defensive error and the finishing isn't as clinical um the, maybe the the management isn't as experienced in in kind of directing the team you've got a little bit more leeway and I think for Burnley they really need to be looking at how they can adapt their team to a more to to fit the teams that they're playing in the Premier League you have to go in into these games against more established teams and go, oh, we know we're not going to win on the possession front. We know we're not going to win on, on the shots front. So this is how we need to play them. And I think that's really the only way you can hope to stay up as a newly promoted side. And I must say, I am a little bit disappointed in Burnley after the season they had last season. I really hope to see more. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of time for them to, to get stuck in the Premier League. But for the current start, I am a little bit disappointed. I think Forest, Forest have started well. Um, I quite enjoy um, watching Forest play. They're a team I have a bit of a soft spot for. Um, and even though you know they were beating Man U two 0 and they lost that game, they still they they're scoring goals. I think that their fans are their fans are all completely behind them. And they just no one thought they would stay up last season, given the fact that they were you know only. Only a year and a half, year and a half ago, they were struggling at the bottom of the championship, and then they had the most incredible run to get promoted through playoffs, and then managed to stay up. It's 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 been a, a big couple of years for them, especially considering they were the longest longest uh, consecutive serving championship team at that point. I think they'd had twenty one seasons in the championship or something like that, so they'd been in there for a while. Um, but I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to go two 0 as well because I just can't really see Burnley with the current way in which they're playing, being able to compete with Forrest. Yeah, and, and I'm glad we've ended the podcast in a harmonious way. We both predicted 2-0 there, but that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Amelia, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Um, just what I said earlier in the introduction about the Fulham Lilies. Um, just give us a follow. We're just at Fulham Lilies on Instagram, Twitter, um, retweet our staff or whatever it's called now on uh, Twitter or X and just um, and if we have an email address as well which is fulhamlilies at gmail.com if anyone's listening to this and thinks that maybe they'd like to start a similar thing at, our, at their club drop us a line we're always more than happy to help with that kind of thing 
that's really cool and obviously if you've got people that maybe are a bit nervous to go to games and but want to go to games i think definitely link up with fulham lilies um i'm sure they will help you out where they can um i think you're also an ambassador for her game too yes yes i am um i'm the fulham ambassador i've been doing that for a year and a half now um we've got some really exciting stuff upcoming this season for her game too as well so I'd keep your eyes peeled for all the things that we've got planned. Um, we've just we've just established a training centre in Wales. Um, we're just aiming to promote more and more inclusion and invest more and more time and money into grassroots football. So, excellent stuff, um, guys! From my end, go and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances—all of the news that you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show. It's the Two Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. He discusses the hottest topics in football throughout the week. Um, finally, also check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable where Kev DeFries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. As I mentioned, I, I was on that show yesterday. We recorded it. Um, some topics we, we delve into the Man United topics with Greenwood and, um, Anthony, as as well as other just general football topics that were sort of headlining going into the international window. Guys, go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go and follow at EPR Index on Twitter. Subscribe to the EPR Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments if you feel so inclined. That stuff really, really does help us out. I've been Tadiwa Chinikira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA. He does our guest intros along with uh, Jody. She's at Spursy141. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. She's been Amelia. Go follow at Fulham Lilies on Twitter. And remember, Chisunga Perry, Chinoshura. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational! Sports Social Podcast Network.